You are listening to Go Doc Yourself, your weekly documentary book club. Listen in while we two errands dissect our most recent documentary find. Sometimes weird, sometimes mainstream, but always entertaining. Grab a cup of coffee and let's clutch. Hi, and welcome to Go Doc Yourself. I'm Erin McCart. And I'm Erin McCourt. Welcome back. Also, I almost just said I'm Erin McCart. <laughs> that would be sweet justice. <laughs> yeah. I think it was episode three that I did that. So you're well behind me. Yeah, that was so funny. That still makes me laugh thinking about it. <laughs> but welcome back, you guys. This is Easter week. A big to do in the Christian community, apparently. So we decided after talking about porn that we should probably switch gears talk about Jesus a little bit Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. cleanse our souls a little bit right yeah so we're gonna do the history of Easter now I have two dates for this in IMDb it says it was out in 2021 Amazon said it was 2023 either way it's fairly recent in the last couple years right I did rent it on Amazon I didn't really look too hard for it for free but there we are I'm in the same boat yeah we paid for it we took hours out of our life to watch it so you, dear listener, don't have to. You're welcome. That's all I'm going to say. Right. I was worried early because this is sponsored or put out or whatever you want to call it by the Museum of the Bible. So I guess I was not. Most documentaries are supposedly coming from a, a place of neutrality, right? Yeah, but they're not really. Right. But at least I get the feeling that that's what's happening. Like Mm -hmm. this one, I was like, Oh, slant city is where I'm coming from. (laughs) Yeah. Well, in their defense, Easter is a strictly Christian holiday. Now the timing and other things surrounding it. Yes. But Easter technically only 54 minutes long. So it's short, thankfully directed by Jim Hannon. Right. So there are two people in this as narrators, right? There's Matthew West Mm-hmm. And there is a young lady na- named Melody Joy Cloud. Okay. Either her parents were hippies, that's a stage name, or it's a really good porn name. Yeah. Yeah. All of the above, I guess, because she's, uh, she's, seems to be a believer. <laughs> yep. I will also say they have some voiceover work for um, different scripture that they read throughout this. And I was like, is that Sir Anthony Hopkins? Because it sounds like him. I didn't notice that. I don't doubt that. I just was probably so removed that I didn't pay attention. I could not find it anywhere. I did poke around to see because I was like, really? All their budget went to that? <laughs> <laughs> But I could not confirm. So Yeah. We only have... Matthew West is essentially, like you said, the host. He's the narrator. He's the one telling all of the facts mm-hmm. slash stories. So this felt a lot more like a lecture in a college city, you know, lecture <laughs> hall than it did a documentary, right? He doesn't have a whole lot of personality, this guy. That is true. Do you want to get into what he says? Let's dive in, yo. Know, let's dive in. It starts off fairly strong with some music that sounds like it could be a little bit edgy and then it's just downhill from there right it's rock it uh if it had been striper i would have lost my mind but no. <laughs> uh, 
that would have made this documentary so much better if they could have put honestly in here somewhere, anywhere. Man, that'd been so good. I know. So Matthew tells us that the Bible's written over 1,500 years by 40 authors and in three languages. So completely accurate tellings is what I'm getting. Right. No game of telephone action at all. None. None. These are accurate <laughs> as hell. <laughs> right. Easter is the biggest deal of all the shit that goes down in the Bible. Ever. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the resurrection of Jesus is what the whole to-do is based on. Which, I don't think that that's inaccurate from what I understand. I'm not a biblical scholar, but I've been around for a while, uh, went to church and stuff like that. So that part feels appropriate. If he hadn't come back, I mean, it was probably foretold that he would not die or he would rise or something. So that has to be part of the mythology of it, right? That that's what makes him the son of God. Sure. It makes it for reals. In theory. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There is a whole lot of talk about calendars at this point. Mm -hmm. There's the Jewish calendar, which is based on the Hebrew Bible, which is kind of why we have a variable date for Easter, because the months, according to the Jewish calendar, kind of correspond to natural cycles, unlike our current calendar, where it's a little bit more fixed. So that's sort of why there's some moving around of things, which is kind of an interesting explanation. Mm -hmm. There's some explanation of, so Passover happens on the 15th of Nisan, which is also the first full moon after spring equinox. Mm -hmm. Okay. I got nothing to add. <laughs> okay. All right. Then I'll just go through what I got because I took some time. So the spring equinox typically happens between March 19th in March 22nd. So it usually falls anywhere in between those two dates. So at some point they decided that March 21st is going to be determined the first day of spring, which is a fixed date. And that comes to you courtesy of the council of Nicaea. Then we have Pope John the first who's commissioned Dionysus, somebody to figure out when Easter would fall for the next 94 years, but that turned out to be too difficult. Okay. So, that's when we started to split things into AD and BC. So AD is represented by, uh, well, it kind of means Anno Domini in the year of our Lord is the translation. And then BC is a very boring before Christ. Right. One is Latin-y and the other one's like, yeah, eh, before, before Christ. Right. So slow pitch city on that second mm -hmm. one. So mm -hmm. it seems like it took about 500 years for that to really gain traction in the world, but it finally did give churches a frame of reference. So... Um, I guess if you're running a big organization, you really do want some predictability in your stuff. I mean, this is a time before the interwebs or lots of other things. So they're going to have to have some kind of electricity even planning. Right. Yeah. So, but if you think about it, how do you think people, okay, I know there was the Julian calendar. I guess people use the Julian calendar before that, because you have to think if around the world, people yeah. are all using different ways to t keep track of time. How the fuck do you ever get anything done anywhere? There's got to be some kind of systematic everyone's on the same page, right? Well, I think it's, yeah, it comes down to like, as the world got smaller, right? As there were more stuff with trade routes and shit like that, we're going to have to have more commonality. But before that, it probably didn't matter because people were not really interacting in such a way that they needed to have some kind of 
frame of reference that, I don't know, made a difference in stuff and things. They were like, well, they're two months ahead of us on stuff. Cool, cool. Right. You know, just so weird. Yeah, it really is. So as far as calendars go, let's wrap this little bit up. Pope Gregory the 13th in the year 15 and 92 made some modifications to the current calendar. And that's where the Gregorian calendar came into being. And that's the same calendar that we use today. So obviously it fixed all the things. Except things that it didn't fix. Like leap year and shit. I don't know. Yeah. That came later. Eastern Orthodox churches, they said, still use the Julian calendar. So their celebration of Easter is like 13 days later than ours or something. It's so funny that it's like shifted. They're like, nope, we're going to stick with this one. Which is very on par with religion in general. We don't want to change and we're going to stick with mm-hmm. this old ass calendar that's shifty. I think it's interesting though because they consider like a third of the world is Christian from when they start talking about this calendar mm-hmm. stuff. So, I mean, that is a big chunk of the world. So I can imagine that, you know, it's a good driver for some of these changes. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know. I think the Aztecs calendar sounded pretty cool at the time, but <laughs> the what calendar? The Aztec calendar. Oh yes. Remember the Aztec calendar? And like when we were kids, they were like, well, they predicted the end of the world on this like Tuesday. And so everybody else's mom let them stay home from school, except for mine who didn't buy into that. I had to go to school and it's fine. (laughs) I am almost positive. We could find a documentary that explains like conspiracy theory calendar dates we could do. There's probably something out there. I'm on it. I'm on it. I'll look for it. All right. So how did Easter get its name? So a couple different theories. There's the word Easterium, meaning dawn, which is kind of boring. Or there's a guy named Venerable Bede, who's a monk. What a great fucking name. How do you become St. Bede the Venerable? How do you get that title, the Venerable? What's Venerable mean? I forgot to look that up. I meant to look it up too. Fuck, here we go. All right accorded a great deal of respect, especially because of age, wisdom, or character. So you and I are venerable is what they're saying. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's kind of hard to fit in my business card, but I'll give it a shot. Work on it. Okay. Venerable Bede mentions a Germanic god, Istra? Goddess. Goddess, my bad. Germanic goddess, Istra, who is the goddess of spring and fertility. But That seems to be pretty much debated because there's only one mention of her. So Mm -hmm. I don't know if he made it up, which seems (laughs) unvenerable. Aaron, don't say that. I know. I know. (laughs) Okay. So they talk about symbols of spring and how in Germany they have Good Friday and Easter Monday off. It's public holidays. USA, take note. They celebrate with lighting bonfires around sunset on Holy Saturday, which makes me think of Guy Fawkes Day, but I doubt they're burning effigies. <laughs> they say this kind of goes back to probably even before Christianity to symbolize light and darkness, renewal of spring after winter, kind of. So again, mm-hmm. taking some of those pagan beliefs into the new religion. right? But I do have a question because the dude, not Anthony Hopkins, was talking and going on, but he says... Christ is the morning star, but it was the venerable bee that said that Christ is the morning star. And I thought Lucifer was the morning star. I mean, I haven't read the Bible in a very long time, but did I miss something? I mean, I don't know. Did you get him confused? Did you get that confused with 
Neil Gaiman, who wrote uh, Lucifer, uh, Sandman, which they totally talk about Lucifer Morningstar in those. Yeah, but I did look it up, and they both, Jesus and Lucifer, are referred to as Morningstar in the Bible. Well, that's not confusing at all. Mm -hmm. No, nothing about the Bible is confusing. Clear as mud. Anything else from Germany that you'd like to mention? Um, you know, they started their sunrise Easter service, which apparently caught on and everyone's like, super, that's what we're doing now. It makes no mm-hmm. difference to me what time they celebrate their Easter. Right. Have you been to a sunrise service? No. I have. It's early. Yeah, it seems really yeah. early. Yeah. <laughs> Not as bad as, say, I would imagine if you're following Ramadan in the summer, you have to get up so early to eat before sunlight and then you're breaking mm-hmm. fast usually at the mosque with others so late at night. So in talking to friends, that's what they're like. That's the worst part is you're not getting much sleep around this time. It's not even they're not eating. It's not getting the sleep. I'm like, whew. Yeah, that's, that's tough. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. Wrong you gotta, vision. you gotta want it, I guess. Mm-hmm. You do. Yeah. I like the one they talked about in Corfu, Greece. On the morning of Holy Saturday, people throw pots, pans, and other earthenware filled up with water out of their windows, snatching them to the streets. That sounds like pure chaos, <laughs> right? That's so much noise. Right. Who's cleaning up after this? What's going on here? That's what I wondered. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, it looks like a lot of cobblestone streets. So I'm going to guess it's not like a street sweeper like we occasionally have here. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I think it's interesting that they're filled with water. I was like, what a weird distinction that is. Yeah. And again, they said this comes from an old ancient Greece practice where they would throw out old clay potting plants and then plant seeds in new potting plants each spring. Kind of celebrate new life and whatever. So taking old traditions into the new religion. But it's just, that's a weird one to me. That's a weird one. Seems wasteful. I mean, I know what it's like to take pots and pans outside and bang them around on New Year's Eve. Also sounds miserable and loud and... I mean, sure, if you're young, you go outside, big noise. Yeah. This is back when you liked New Year's Eve and you were excited to stay up and you could go outside mm-hmm. and make noise. Like, now I'm just like, shh, shh, everyone. I know. I may or may not stay up that late anyway. So, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. pretty much. Okay. So, let's talk about some Easter eggs. Yeah. I was going to say, now we get to the part where I really wanted to know what the hell this was about, right? Mm-hmm. My favorite. Who delivers the eggs in France? The church bells? <laughs> what the fuck? Who came up with that? I had to rewind a couple times because I'm like, the church, who? The what? The bells? <laughs> the bells deliver the colored eggs to the children's? That's, mm-hmm. there was even illustration. A flying bell. To confirm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So the story goes. On the Thursday before Easter, the bells stop ringing to mark respect for Jesus' death. So to explain mm-hmm. the silence, the grown-ups told the kids the bells flew to Rome to be blessed by the Pope. And on the morning of Easter Sunday, the bells fly back to France, loaded with treats, which they drop in the gardens. And once the bells start ringing again, the Easter egg hunt begins. I have some questions for you. Where okay. are the bells carrying the treats? They have pockets, of course. <laughs> Do they fly upside down? <laughs> maybe and then just tip so they over like are their own basket yeah that makes sense <laughs> that's not what the illustration showed that's true but the treats 
inside would help keep them from making noise when they flew too. So that. Oh, that's a good point. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Otherwise everyone in the world would hear that shit. Do you think there's one kid out there that would have been annoying enough to be like, but how do they get out of the steeple? Cause they don't have giant windows. They have like a little window. Is it like how Santa gets in and out of the chimney? I think most of the steeples have fairly large windows to the extent that they had to put them in that way. Oh, maybe oh, they just got okay. roof, maybe they got pulled up by ropes or something. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know either. All right. Well, they had to get in somehow. They really did. What about brochure France? Did you have a little nugget on that? Yeah. I don't know why, but they made like the world's biggest omelet with like 15,000 eggs. Again, what a fucking waste. You know there are shells in that shit everywhere. How long would it take to crack that many <laughs> eggs? <laughs> and they have a giant skillet, like a like a just gigantic skillet. Yeah. That's not it's an omelet at that weird. point. It's just it's... scrambled eggs, right? It's <laughs> I would think so. So I'm like, guess it's not made to order, which is some bullshit. Yeah, they probably put mushrooms in there. I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> uh my goodness. No, I love it. Who who came up with that? I want to look at the history of that and where that came from. Because it's so weird. It is really weird. Mm-hmm. So we're going to go back to Germany at this point. And I think that they really come out well in this because they have the funnest stuff. For right. Easter. It's where we get a lot of stuff. Yeah. So in Germany, they hand paint eggs. And then they hang them on small indoor trees, or it's possible you could use like a bigger tree outside in your garden. And this is, oh, but do you have the word? I do. And I wrote it down phonetically. Oh, yes. Okay. It means the Easter egg tree, but it's Ooster Eierbaum. I think that's it. Ooster Eierbaum. I did not write it down phonetically. Yeah. I I now want an Ooster Eierbaum. I think that's what we need in our life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So then we jump to Florida. Which I'm like, awesome. In 2007, they hold the record for the largest Easter egg hunt with 501,000 eggs. Also, it's impossible to find. If you start off with 12 eggs to hide around my house, you find 11 and you spend the rest of the day looking for the 12th egg. Because if you don't, it's going to smell later. Unless you're a weirdo and you, then you blow it out and then you just have the shell. Yeah. The fact that you had actual eggs and not like the classic ones is impressive. I mean, there was a time that we decorated eggs. We decorated eggs too, but I don't think we ever hid those eggs. That was just for fun. And then we'd eat them. Oh, okay. All right. Gotcha. I know people that then peeled and ate the eggs and I'm like, no, can't do that. We've done that. But also one time we had a foreign exchange student from Mexico, Odette. And she brought this with her. We blew the egg out. So you just have the shell and then right. you paint the shell and then you mm-hmm. hide it. Cause we had a blizzard that Easter. So you hide the, so it was nice that they were colorful. We were in the snow looking for these colorful eggs and you fill them with like confetti and then you crack them on each other's heads. Oh, that is fun. It was a lot of fun. And then we ate eggs forever. I feel like it was probably a day or two because you can't eat them that long before they go bad, but it felt like a lot of eggs to be eaten. Right. Good yeah. stuff. Mm-hmm. In the 1930s, jelly beans shaped like eggs become popular. In 1885, Russian Tsar Alexander III commissioned the first Fabergé egg. In 1881, 
I didn't write his name down. I said some dude figured out how to concentrate dye into tablet form and started selling them in the Easter kits. I have William Town. I think that's what they said. But this documentary was not the best about putting the facts up. I mean, like, some of it was good, but not all of it. So um, there were some details that I kind of was like, I think that's what they said. But yeah, all the egg tablets. So fun. With the vinegar. Oh, it smells so bad. But that's how you get the bright colors. It's true. It's Mm -hmm. true. In 1878, U.S. President Rutherford B. Hayes hosted the first White House annual Easter egg roll. And my favorite is that in 1875, one John Cadbury created the first industrial chocolate egg. Thank you, John. We love you. So now about half a billion is made each year, and a bunch of them are consumed in the U.K. Yeah, Cadbury is a a U.K. brand. Sometime between 1638 and 1715, French chefs made the first chocolate eggs for Louis XIV. Sounds about right. He was a decadent fox. (laughs) Give me some chocolate eggs. Oh, so funny. I do like, though, that they talk about in the 1200s, there were Macedonian Christians who were painting eggs. And it kind of seems that eggs were forbidden during Lent. Mm -hmm. So you painted the eggs, I guess, and you were just slobbering over them because you were like, I can't wait to eat this egg. And then once Lent was over, you get eight eggs again. So, yeah. So that to me seems like the the first real fact about where the eggs came from in Association Easter. So, I mean, they talk about in many cultures, it's a sign of spring. It's a sign of new life mm-hmm. and all of that. So that is kind of what I always assume. But when they're like, oh, well, because we couldn't eat them, we decorated them. And then we ate them after Lent was over as a treat. That mm-hmm. to me is like, oh, so that's where it kind of started. That makes more sense. They should have put that at the top of this section, right? Well, I mean, I think this little read off of all the trivia facts, I was like, why are these out of order? Way out of order. So and then weird. he goes on to say, and this seems like a stretch to me, but to many Christians now, the hard shell represents the shell of the tomb and cracking it represents the resurrection. And I'm like, it's a fucking egg, dude. Calm down. I know, looking Just for such symbolism and everything yes and i'm like sometimes it's just a fun thing sometimes it's I just a fucking egg <laughs> right now we can talk about the easter bunny i know that's another one i'm like what well i mean okay so from context you could say that rabbits are probably associated with spring right and like mm-hmm. fertility and things like that i don't think that that's going to be revolutionary to anybody but Mm-hmm. Kind of how they got associated specifically with the eggs, I always thought was a weird, like, you know. Right. Yeah. Right. How, did, how did that come about? I do really like that they talk about the chocolate bunny was a thing. And then the hollow bunny came about because of rations in 1941 when, you know, we had the wars, well, one war going on. And they were trying to be, you know, a little bit conservative. And then it just stuck around. And I'm like, what? fucking monsters like give me the rest of that chocolate bunny (laughs) company was like people seem to like it we'll save money we can sell it for the same price i'm in right exactly it's the american way please give me an honest answer about that thank you very much (laughs) back to germany who again really wins the easter of folklore and stuff in my opinion Mm -hmm. so the german immigrants are bringing stories of the easter bunny who they call the ooster husen ooster hazem yep as early as the 1700s. 
use the Easter hare. And I think that got changed over at least for Americans because we don't have as many hares. We have many more rabbits Mm -hmm. and we call rabbits bunnies. And so there's that kind of etymology, if you want to call it that. It seems like in 1682, a German anthology discussing the Easter bunny, and I put bunny because, you know, we just talked about the hare, was hiding Mm -hmm. baskets of brightly colored eggs for children. So that may have been the first reference. Mm-hmm. And they talked about it, maybe it was a some kind of medical something. And I'm like, talked about right. the dudes who wrote it. And I'm like, I don't know. Okay, fine. Right? It seemed like a really weird, it was not like some op-ed piece in the paper. It was like medical journal, <laughs> such and such. And I'm like, what? <laughs> okay. Right. But they say the stories of the Easter bunny or hare bringing candy to kids in baskets or treats in baskets started with the Lutherans a few decades earlier. So go Mm -hmm. Lutheranism, I guess. Yay for treats. Mm. Right, right. Love that. So the Easter Bunny is known in many places, but not everywhere. So they did list off all of the places that you would find commonality with the Easter Bunny itself. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a lot of European countries, stuff like that, but it's not the same everywhere. Right, because in France, we know the church bells bring eggs and treats. So That's right. Super fun. In Italy, it's pretty boring in my opinion. The eggs are just gifted by parents and grandparents. That doesn't seem as... It's not as fantastical, but in my opinion, as a parent, I'm like, yes, fuck yes. I don't have to make believe something else. (laughs) Yes, here's your goddamn treats. Sorry, You don't have to like get the... Uh, cotton balls in the talc powder and like do the little trail <laughs> of Easter bunny around your house. Just me. I did not do that. Did not do that. Mm. I love Pinterest, but I feel like that's a Pinterest casualty for parents. Like somebody was like, Ooh, look at this fun idea. And then it just Mm-mm. swept through like a plague in Norway. They do some things that make sense. They have the Easter chick in Australia I think they started off with the Easter Bunny, but in the 90s, they kind of did a little bit of a campaign of propaganda to get that change from the Easter Bunny to the Easter Bilby, which is a native species, and bunnies are an invasive nightmare. So, good on you, Australia. Yeah. Yeah, and it's a cute little marsupial. I liked it. It's very cute. Mm -hmm. And here, possibly, is one of my very favorite things that they've said in the whole documentary. Promises of Christian Easter promote ground for shared culture. Oh, I, you know what? Christians are all about shared culture. Well, that's why I, I said how weird that they don't discuss colonization here. Mm. Well, I mean, that's you just know. forced shared culture, right? <laughs> right. We're sharing with you and you'll like it. <laughs> yeah. Everybody adopted it totally willingly. Sounds great. Absolutely. Okay. Mm. This is my favorite section. Now we're going to talk about Carnival, you guys. Someday I'll go to Brazil and see it. Maybe I won't because it's it's probably terrifying. (laughs) But the reason we have Carnival is because we have Lent, right? And so Mm -hmm. leading up to fasting, people would deplete their stores of meats and milk and eggs. And because you weren't supposed to have any animal byproducts. And I don't know how far that goes. I'm sure honey was probably okay. I don't know. But they're like, no milk, no cheese, no meat, no eggs, right? I find this interesting, though, because I don't know that food 
I feel like food scarcity would have been a problem back in the day. And so now they're like, look, we couldn't possibly eat the stuff that we have on hand. Well, and it's probably much like fasting in other religions. There are a lot of reasons why you wouldn't fast, but you can still observe the holiday and food scarcity would be one of them. You know, they're like, hey, this is what you can do if you can. Right. But there are other things you can do if you can't. But it's just. When I hear fasting, I think fasting, right? Not just abstaining from a few things. And the other day I'm in the cafeteria and this woman was carrying a tray of fries and the cafeteria worker was like, oh, you're not getting your normal sandwich. She's like, no, I'm fasting. And I thought, but you're shoving fries in your face. You're not fasting. But if she was just fasting like this for Lent, then that makes sense because they're just potatoes. So I guess that was it. Yeah, makes sense. I was so confused though. Potatoes in their finest form, right? Hopefully not fried in any kind of animal fat. Anyway. Oh, there you go. Great call out, though. (laughs) So carnival might come from the Latin carnum levare, means removal of meat. They had a couple other things, too. But essentially, you no longer have meat. And the day before Lent begins, many cultures throw this large celebration. Shrove Tuesday, Carnival Tuesday, Pancake Tuesday, which sounds delightful. That's what I said. Right? Or Mardi Gras, which is Fat Tuesday, which is what we celebrate here in the U.S. normally. And Mardi Gras and Carnival came to the Americas with French settlers because apparently they're the fun group, not those goddamn Puritans. But it's just a lot of masks, music, revelry, probably some debauchery, because when I think Mardi Gras in New Orleans, I think a bit of rapey, rape, rape. But, you know, right, right. Hopefully, hopefully not. I find it interesting that it's one day. I thought it just mm. felt bigger. It is bigger, technically. It goes on, I think it starts the week before, but that's the last day. So Fat Tuesday is the big day before Ash Wednesday when you start Lent. Okay. Because they made it sound like it was Tuesday and then it was Ash Wednesday. And I was like, this doesn't seem right to me. Why would... Anyway. Yeah. They talk about French soldiers in 1703 bringing Mardi Gras to Mobile, Alabama, which Mm -hmm. I would actually like to go to Mobile, Alabama and see their Mardi Gras celebration. It's probably a little bit more sane. Maybe not. Maybe it's just as bad. We just don't hear about it. The earliest known carnival was 1294 in Nice, France. Again, they're party animals, those French. Mm -hmm. But some historical reference say Venice started a carnival about the same time. And it is still world known, renowned even for Mm -hmm. its masks, which I'm sorry, they look creepy as fuck to me. <laughs> I want no part of that. Yes, it is It is very eyes wide shut, if you ask me. It's just not okay. I like how they say carnival was the one time of year that the church sanctioned revelry. Uh, thanks. This is why I don't understand religion. Everyone's like, <laughs> you have to live this miserable life here with the hope that possibly there's something later, but you don't know. That seems like a big risk, in my opinion. Yeah, it's just never enough. I think that's the hardest part. Like, You're never going to be good enough, yeah. You can't earn it, but you should try to earn it. Like, We all know that you were born into sin and you can't earn it, but still try to earn it. Mm-hmm. And depending mm-hmm. on when you're living, like, maybe pay us for it, too. That'd be cool, but nonetheless. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, if you got them sins, you can buy it off. Mm. Right, right. That was back in the day, but still, I feel like there's probably a window. Mm, yeah. So Carnival ends on Ash Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Lent starts in the year 604 with Pope Gregory I. Lenten kind of equals spring, and the time between Ash Wednesday and Easter 
is about 46 days. So they say you have 40 days to fast and then six Sundays for feasting. So the ash signifies mourning in the Old Testament. And Pope Gregory I also says this is where the no fresh meat or what I said was animal-based products <laughs> comes in. And it seems that there are some Eastern Slavic people that still do it to this degree, but maybe there's some interpretation in different places. Well, I know a lot of people, what, just don't eat meat on Fridays or something, right? Fish Friday. It's not a big thing during Lent. I've always associated Lent with Catholics. So not being a Catholic, I don't feel like I can really speak on it. So it's a okay. tough... I thought it- I thought it was just all you know? questions, but okay. Okay. I mean, there's been some discussion. I mean, like you can give up things like some people choose to give up chocolate or booze or, you know, whatever. That's sort of what I heard. If, if maybe if you're not Catholic, but mm-hmm. well, and that's what I've heard is you're supposed to sacrifice. Right. But I'm like, I know most people are going to be like, say I were to give up alcohol. Well, that's not a big deal. Cause I drink like twice a year. So if I don't drink during those 46 days, it's not that big of a deal. You're supposed to give up something that's really difficult for you to give up. I get that. Then also, I think more recently, you're supposed to take on charitable work and do something good. I think they're starting to promote that as well, which that I can get behind totally. You yeah, should I love do that. better that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But you like, think of the things that you'd hate to give up, like coffee. <laughs> do they want me to kill someone? That's not going to serve I mean, anyone. Right, right. So it seems that fasting like this wasn't new. There's a Saint Ignatius. Athanasius. Athanasius. I'm so glad you're here with that good pronunciation. Because I, I'm going to tell Steve he should name his kid that. (laughs) Oh, yes. (laughs) I saw the name and I'm like, gold. (laughs) (laughs) He'll quit asking us for suggestions. Not that he was before. He already has. Nonetheless, we'll be grounded. So he writes in 339 that 40-day fast to mimic Christ's 40-day fast in the desert was fairly common at this time. Mm-hmm. So this isn't new. I just think they're repackaging it or making it official, something like that. So yeah, 40 days comes up a lot in the Bible, I think. It's a nice yeah. round number, I guess. Mm-hmm. This one is odd to me. There's a discontinuation of the hallelujah, which means praise the Lord, I guess. Right. A joyful noise. Yes, it is joyful. Frequently used in songs and liturgy, but during Lent it's removed. And he describes it as the abstinence from the expression of joy. Seriously? And then, and then on Easter, the hallelujah is reborn and used again with abandon, Aaron. It's used with abandon. (laughs) That's crazy, cat. A lot to say. Yeah. (laughs) Some things you can say about that, I guess. But yeah, I agree. Like, not only are we abstaining from anything that tastes good, and we're supposed to be miserable and grieving, um, now we can't express joy through use of words. I don't know. There's just a lot of earning it, in my opinion, going on here. So, mm. mm-hmm. okay. Now let's talk about the original Easter week, like okay. Jesus's Easter week. Okay. So he starts with a few facts, like Spain has a whole week of Easter to celebrate. Um, In the Philippines, people think it's an honor to be tied to the cross like Jesus. And some even have nails put into their hands to try to mimic. And uh, they say, but not to the death, of course. That's just for the Savior. You don't get that right. Right. And I'm like, good grief, you guys. That just seems like a bit much, right? 
In the 1700s, the current route of Via de la Rosa, the Sorrowful Road, was established in Jerusalem, and pilgrims still walk it to this day on, I would say, probably Good Friday or that Thursday as the route that Jesus took. Or really whenever you can get there. I don't know. Probably, yeah. So Palm Sunday, or Passion Sunday, kicks off Easter week. We also have Maundy Thursday, Mm -hmm. which is when Passover, the Passover meal or the Last Supper occurs. Mm -hmm. Can we also, I wanted to mention, so they talk about Palm Sunday and that, so there was a prophecy like 500 years before from, I can't remember if it was Zechariah or Isaiah. They talk about a couple different prophecies, Mm -hmm. right? And so Jesus was foretold to come. He wasn't named Jesus in the prophecy, but the father of, or the son of God was supposed to come. And so they're like, wow, he's come. This is foretold. And they, you know, here's the king and they lay down palms. But is it possible that if these other people knew that prophecy, that maybe Jesus also knew the prophecy and took advantage of it? I mean, they don't really talk about the possibility of manipulation in the Bible. They're not really <laughs> writing it from that. I liked in the, or in, the, in the Bible, in the documentary, which is not the Bible. They are different. Mm-mm. That they were like, Palm Sunday, except for there weren't any palms here. So <laughs> yeah, within like 20 miles or something. Yeah. Right. So they're like, they put some kind of plants, but the Palm Sunday thing stuck. And I'm like, sounds legit. Yeah. And, and you'll call that out, but not anything else that seems a little bit off. That's all legit. Right. Right on, right on. I just, it's possibly because I just was watching the Waco documentary where David Koresh also claimed to be the son of God in the second Mm -hmm. coming. And so it's just a little like, oh, well, maybe that was what this one was doing to Mm -hmm. begin with. I'm sure he was a lovely person. He seemed to be an actual nice, good person, though. So there's the difference. Jesus, yeah. Right, from all accounts. Yeah, he was getting down with the lepers. That's what I'm talking about. And the whores. Yeah. All right, so moving from... Maundy Thursday into Good Friday, which seems less than good, but I guess good comes from any observed holiday kind of got good tacked on to the front end. Yeah. Any holy holiday or something. Yeah. 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 Well, I like that. So Maundy Thursday is also when Judas ratted him out. Oh, uh, yes. Just so you guys mm-hmm. know. Right. So mm-hmm. yeah, Last Supper, but also a Judas. Right. It's a day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Good Friday is Christ's death after basically being tortured, kind of walked around and humiliated and all the things. Mm -hmm. Holy Saturday represents the time that Jesus was in the tomb. Did you, uh, did you capture anything in your notes about the Greek Orthodox traditions? No, but I do know that the, the patriarch goes into a tomb and comes out with a lit candle, which represents life. And he lights the other candles. That's the only thing I remember. Yes. I just got a little bit of the gigs out of this because it is the, the robes and stuff that they're wearing are just so ornate. Mm-hmm. Lots of money invested. I find that part so fascinating. What I was interested about in this section. So they're talking, I mean, there are Bible verses being read, sure. right? And they talk about how Jesus annihilated death, right? He came back. That's fine. Zombie Jesus. I'm here for it. But they say he took Hades captive, abolished and overthrew Hades or hell. And then they talk about later how we don't have to go to hell because he did it. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. okay, then why are they still using that as a fear tactic? If he's conquered this shit for us, then that's not even an option for us anymore. But you have to be a believer. I believe in something. And how is Satan still a character in the book after this, if he conquered him? 
look, you gotta have a protagonist and antagonist in a good story. You're right. You're right. You're okay. right. Okay. They're both fighting over that morning star. So I don't the know. The antagonist was created by the protagonist who <laughs> could kill the antagonist at any time if he has all the power, but chooses not to, and then blames him for everything. And I think that's a little bit selfish. I mean, saying. I'm not fighting you on it because okay. then you would be my antagonist because I made you. <laughs> yeah. Yes. It's my genesis. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what happens next? Easter Sunday, he rises. Rises from the grave or the tomb. It's not really a grave. That would have been even creepier. Right. And to represent him rising from the tomb, there is a, I don't know, five year music video. It's something. It's something. The lyric that I really stuck in my head is she sings, Since when has impossible ever stopped you? And I could think of a few times that impossible stopped God <laughs> and Jesus. But you sing what you want to, girl. Yeah. Uh, so this is Melody Joy Cloud. <laughs> that name that is, is so that is much. Just singing her ass off in this zombie Jesus song. So for like an hour, for like an hour. It's so right. Long. It is. It's legitimately a five minute song. Yeah. 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 So that's probably the part that I was like, oh, so we just admit that we've lost all credibility. Like sometimes they try to, you know, be like, Oh, I'm presenting both sides, but not anymore. There's song. <laughs> and the video quality is MTV worthy, right? Oh or yeah. Whatever oh, yeah. network well you. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure that she's going to go on to have a long and wonderful career. So they kind of wrap this business up talking about nothing has been more impactful than the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And I'm like, not germ theory or vaccines (laughs) or, you know, being able to handle any kind of sanitation, like none of that. So Mm -hmm. just a thought, just a, just a secular opinion. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He does go on to talk about Ascension Day, which is Jesus's final appearance, his encore, if you will. (laughs) That was 40 days after the resurrection. So again, with that 40 days, it's, It's either a lack of imagination or it has some symbolism. I mean, we were having trouble with a calendar part of this time. So they were just like, I don't know, 40 days. Sounds about right. Well, this was written (laughs) hundreds of years after the fact, right? So I'm sure it's completely accurate. Absolutely. But he led the the disciples to the Mount of Olives and he told them to be his witnesses to the end of the earth. Pretty sure David Koresh said the same thing. I'm just going to point that out. But his was way less delicious because the Mount of Olives sounds pretty tasty i don't like olives so i'm gonna say no damn it okay i know they taste like dirt (laughs) after he spoke to his disciples he ascended full circles at where and my electricity is flickering on and off so i saw that (laughs) maybe jesus wasn't so happy with me mocking i'm not sure (laughs) if i am smited right here now (laughs) i'm so pissed at you stop it Bitch, you better repent. (laughs) That would be so much. I would never be done. That's my entire life. That's so funny. But yeah, that's that's the end of the documentary. Opinion is don't (laughs) waste your time watching it. (laughs) You're about to get smoked. (laughs) I'm going to get smoked. And my dog... 
Lewis is shaking. I'm going to have to put a oh. thunder shirt on him because the lights flickered. That's Aww. how big badass of a pitbull he is. <laughs> well, let me take let me take a moment to read, to read to you before you, mm, I don't know, cease guy. to exist. Yeah. There's a quote I'd like to read. Um, so it says, Christianity is the only religion in the world with a major presence on every continent. And this is from the Pew Research Center in 2012. Antarctica, mm -hmm. they got a big religious presence in Antarctica. No, but if there are only two people there and one of them's Christian, <laughs> I guess that counts. Okay. All right. So I had some questions about the, the Pew, which is spelled P-E-W, like Research Pew. Center. Like, <laughs> okay. I was thinking like Pew is in Pew in a church. So I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, that makes more sense. What is this place? So the Pew is a, is a think tank out of Washington, D.C. Now, on the Googs, it says that it's nonpartisan. And I mm. could confirm that it seems to have some legitimacy. Like, on, during a quick Google search, um, it seems to me maybe more of a liberal slant than anything mm. else. But it is, I mean, it does not seem to be like a church-based research situation. You know what, what does I mean? a think tank do? Do they just sit all day and just think and write shit down, like philosophize or what? I, I've always I don't that. know. I did read at one point that they considered themselves a fact tank, and I was like, okay. That's not as catchy. <laughs> yeah. But it did talk about where their funding and stuff like that comes from. I just wanted to make sure, again, that it wasn't like a church-based thing, and they were like, well, we, mm -hmm. we're everywhere. And I'm like, seems like a conflict of interest for you a church organization to say you're everywhere but that is not the case so i mean i will point out cockroaches are also everywhere so it's really not that impressive <laughs> in the end so. oh still that mm -hmm. antarctica thing though i was like feels like leap you guys anyway anyway that's it my yeah. recommendation again if uh it didn't come through the last time because i was in the process of being killed is not to watch it I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to say, don't waste your time. We've given you everything you need to know. And you're not missing anything by not seeing that five minute long video. I promise you. Yeah. It's, um, I, I feel like we've really fallen on the sword for you, dear listener. So <laughs> save yourselves, save yourself. You're welcome. <laughs> the most attractive yeah. thing about this documentary is that it was short. Yes. So. Yes. <laughs> oh, good times. <sighs> oh, well. All right. So. Let's do something more interesting next week. What are we doing next week? Ooh, okay. So next week, we're going to revisit our roots, as in the time we grew up in the 80s, 90s situation, and talk yep. about a very popular story. So this is the documentary White Boy. We found it on Netflix, possibly Tubi, an hour and 22 minutes. This is a 2017 release date. And this is the story about White Boy Rick and his climb to fame. I don't know how you want to say it, but like, this is a wild story that had a lot more detail than what we were led to believe by like two rap songs. So yeah. Right. And, and based on movies, I thought white boy Rick was a, a character. I can think it was a real person until I saw this. I'm like, Oh shit, yo, he's real. Yeah. So it is such a good story. It is a great story. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. We'll ask you guys to rate, review, and subscribe. We're looking for words and stars so we can climb the ranks possibly and get to more people who need to hear 
more or less about Easter <laughs> other topics. But yeah, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Go Doc Yourself. And we have a lovely website that we are updating content on. And yeah, you can find out a little bit more about us there. Yeah. Yeah. And if you have questions or comments or recommendations, just let us know. Mm-hmm. We will listen to all of it. So, okay. That's it. Until next week, guys. Later. <laughs> Bye. Bye.